Today we're going to talk about, no matter what the, whether the season is good or whether it's bad, the freedom that we have in Christ. And in particular, how the early church, as they were beginning to make sense of Jesus in their life, they struggled with going back into old habits and patterns that actually prevented them from knowing God more fully. Something that can prevent positive kingdom change in our lives today. And that's at the heart of what I would love to address. Will you uh, power on your Bibles or turn in the one in your book rack to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to use mainly the second half of Galatians 5 as a launching pad to talk about freedom. And I'm going to move so quickly this morning. I'm going to be honest with you. My notes have notes this morning. So I'm just going to dive right into it. Are you ready to study God's word, church? Here's what it says. Galatians 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What's it talking about, a yoke of slavery here? See, Paul is writing one of his earliest letters to this church in the province of Galatia. In fact, uh, this letter was written as early as 48 or 49 AD. We usually think it or 1 Thessalonians was the first uh, letters that we have from Paul. And here in uh, this particular passage, he's going to talk to the Galatian church about what it means to find freedom. See, what was happening, and you can read it in the next 11 verses that we're not going to cover, there's this debate going on in the early church over circumcision. If you don't know what circumcision is, I'm not going to teach you this morning because I don't want to talk about it, but you could go research on your own. I wouldn't Google that thing, but I would make sure and talk to somebody. And in particular, they were debating for thousands of years. The way you identified as being a part of the family of God was that you were circumcised. Today, for us, that's baptism, but the concept was that you had to be circumcised in order to, if you're a male, in order to be, um, you know, considered part of God's family. And yet, when Jesus came, was crucified, and rose from the third day from the grave, overcoming sin and death, anybody can draw near to God eternally. And Paul is telling the church in Galatia, you no longer have to follow these legalistic ways of drawing near to God. Because of the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection, you can actually experience God in your life today. That you have freedom. You no longer need to live as a slave to these legalistic patterns that you can develop. So if you're here today and you're like, well, why don't we follow, uh, you know, Jewish um, customs from the Old Testament? Why don't we still sacrifice animals? Or why don't we uh, still celebrate certain festivals? Or why aren't we legalistic about the Sabbath day? Now, there are certainly Messianic Jews that interpret that when Jesus said that I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it, that we should, should still practice those today. And I believe that's a valid Christian belief. However, for the majority of Christianity today, we no longer practice that because we believe that there was a, a new creation that was swung in, a new covenant when uh, Jesus was crucified and rose from the grave so that anybody could draw near to God today. And you don't have to do these legalistic practices in order to connect with God. There's a lot of Bible there, wasn't it? But I think that's a good background for you to get. That for them, what he's saying could enslave you was that you feel you have to do and behave the certain way in order to make God happy. And at the same time, then he goes in the second half of Galatians that we're going to focus on, and he says, well, it may be the legalism that enslaves some of you. It could also be some of the sinful things that are happening in your life, that you can't take your freedom and take advantage of that. In fact, as he's leading up to make it clear that he doesn't like legalism, he says in like verse 12, I believe it is, 
If you think you, should, you have to be circumcised, why don't you go the whole way and just emasculate yourselves? The Apostle Paul said that, not me. So you can read it on your own. But that's to the level, he says, uh, don't lead your faith in a legalistic, judgmental way. But then in verse 13, he says this in Galatians 5. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But then he clarifies it. Well, we're not going to be legalists, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So on the one hand, while you shouldn't be a legalistic Christian, you should also not become someone who uses their freedom to indulge in things that harm you or other people. And too often in our churches today, we actually see that occurring a lot. And so we're going to address this issue of freedom and that, what that looks like in your life. And I just want to ask you this question and reflection in Galatians chapter 5, and that's this. Are you free? Are you free today? Some of you guys are free to be in the strobe light over here. I'm just noticing that going on. <laughs> the lucky few. Sorry, I'm sure they're trying to figure that out. But uh, as you reflect on whether you are free today, I want to share with you just the good news of Jesus. And I'm going to move really quickly through some notes. So let's pray together. Will you bow your heads with me? God, uh, we just pause and in reflection of those few verses we read in Galatians 5 and that question, are we free? Uh, I know we desire to be. We celebrate freedom in here in America, but we're talking about something much more than just the ability to practice our faith, but the freedom to be free from baggage and constraints and things that trap us and keep us from fulfilling your purposes for our lives. And so we pause this weekend. All these people came out on July 4th weekend to hear from your word and to worship you. And so we just acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit and we pray that you would speak to us about this issue. We pray it in your name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. I don't know how the issue of freedom applies to your life, um, but I can tell you this. I know what it's like to feel trapped in multiple ways. Uh, first of all, I know what it's like to feel like you have to do something for the legalists in the room. I was actually diagnosed in junior high with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. I'm not ashamed to share it because I think sometimes we need to break down the barriers with mental health issues. And so I've, I've lived with that my entire life. I know what it's like to feel like you have to do something in order to make yourself happy. In fact, you're like, dude, not really. You don't know what that's like. No, you don't understand how weird I am. When I was in like seventh or eighth grade, I went through this like couple month period, you know, your body's changing all that stuff, where I felt like in order to enter a room, I had to wipe my feet on the carpet to go in 17 times. Why, it's okay to laugh. Why 17 times? I have no idea. But for some reason, that was, I had to do it. And then inevitably, for those who have struggled with uh, that disorder before, you will mess it up and you'll have to go do it again. And so you just feel like you were entirely trapped. Maybe that's not your issue, but you know what it's like to feel trapped from a mental health issue. Or maybe you are here and you are a, a parent or a grandparent or you have nieces or nephews or you take care of children for a living and we're going to pray and lay hands on each of us today after this message. Because I just got to tell you, you know, we got three uh, kiddos, 10, uh, soon to be seven this Tuesday, and uh, four. And the four-year-old, I just need a lot of prayer, guys. <laughs> this is just what happened this week. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a message in my home office, actually, and I look out the window, 
and I see the four-year-old running down the street with no pants on and no underwear, nothing, just running down the street. And I was, Lisa's down here. I'm like, Lisa, your son's outside. Go get him. Then, I think it was probably the same day, she goes out in the garage and she sees him with a tack and he's pressing it into the tire of the minivan. Now look at that face, man. He's in for some trouble. And so Lisa's like, oh, maybe he just didn't want She goes over. It was like eight or nine times. And we were like, well, at least it's not flat. Two days later, we come back from Carmel Fest on July 3rd, and our tire goes completely flat. Then yesterday, we wake up, and it's 80 degrees in our house. Our air conditioner went out. Isn't it weird how just all these things can be lumped on at one particular time? And man, if some of you feel the weight and the burden of things that you are enduring in your life, I'm right there with you. You ever feel trapped? You feel like, well, I'd love to be all that God desires me to be, but I, I can't. I've, I, maybe there's some reasons you feel trapped. And I want to go through just three quick ones if you're taking notes. I told you my notes have notes this morning, and then we're going to respond to these three things. And the three things that maybe could trap you, that spiritually speaking, I mentioned the first one, our legalism. Paul speaks directly against that, that our legalism should not trap you. Um, and number two, I'm going to encourage you to take notes quickly. Three, three things that can trap you. One, our legalism. Two, our sin, our brokenness, the things that are addictive habits that can de- develop in our life. You see, Paul will go on, he will describe some of those issues. He's addressed the legalism thing up in the first uh, 12 verses, and in the second half of Galatians 5, he says this in verses 19 to 21, the acts of the flesh are obvious. I don't know which one of these is on your list, that this can trap you and enslave you, and you become uh, serving it rather than God. The interesting thing in, in Romans and Galatians, multiple places, it talks over and over again that you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. You're either a slave to the, the brokenness in your life or you're a slave to the things of God in your life. Which one are you serving today? And here's the ones that he mentions in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, a, a few of them. Leave those up for, for just a second. I don't know which one is you in uh, verse 20 there. You know, and you even say, see things like idolatry and witchcraft. You're like, well, we're not in the first century in a pagan culture. Well, actually, we're in our own version of it, right? One of the things that I've noticed is with so much information online, we don't know who to trust and what sources to go to, and we can get into a lot of things that we don't even realize aren't biblical Christianity, and we're using them as a way that we think it's going to draw us near to God, and it's actually not. See, there's a lot of things that can begin to enslave you in a way, and myself included. Uh, look at verse 21 here. Maybe one of these is yours, uh, an envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live this way will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are harsh words. I'm not sharing that like to go, hey, this is where you're going. I'm sharing that to say that these things can easily draw your attention and your desire and your devotion away from the things of God. And just like legalism can cause major problems to separate you from God and you begin to follow rules rather than God, you can also go so far the other way in your freedom that you begin to be enslaved by these very freedoms that you thought you had. And one drink leads to seven. 
And one little click of a button leads to a whole lot more sexual desire. And it's the reality of how brokenness works in our culture. And so, you know, I just ask you the question, which ones do you identify with out of that list? You don't need to shout it out or anything, but if you wanted to, with God right now, just go, hey, this is, this is it for me. Maybe it's that envy thing. You look at everybody else's Instagram, you just think, I'm not accomplished. You look at everybody else going into retirement, you think they got their stuff more together than I do, and I got to wait. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your legalism, maybe it's our, our sin that is trapping us, or maybe, I thought of this, it's our past. And I'm not going to get into the biblical reference of this just for the sake of time, but I really think this kind of fits into the, both of the previous two categories in some ways. But I just want to throw out some things that maybe your past that you can't get beyond. You keep living in your past rather than, than living in the freedom and the things that God has for you in your life today. Maybe it's the mistakes that you've made, some of those sin things that we discussed. And maybe you just feel like, uh, I'm always going to be that person that made that mistake. Just who I am. It's what people are going to think of me. I'm going to encourage you, God doesn't see you that way. Because of the work of Jesus, his heavenly father sees you as his son or his daughter, as we'll look at here in a moment. Maybe it's uh, the wrongs that you've experienced. You have trouble getting past your, your past because it's entrapped you because someone else did something to you. And that's the one that, man, breaks my heart the most, right? Um, not something that we deserved or did on purpose, and I don't believe God desires the, something to be hurts to be hurt in some way, and yet in a world where Satan is on the run and, and sin is apparent, human beings tend to act out. And what's it look like to find freedom in the things that we've experienced? Or maybe it's negative church experiences, Right? I mean, we've never addressed this, but uh, we, we started this church with a bunch of people who didn't have a church home. And as we grew and we moved into this building and we started connecting with people that came from other church experiences, I always heard these horrible stories of people like that. We had amazing experience because some of those people were the most mission-driven Christians we ever met. <laughs> They've made a huge impact for, for all of God's kingdom for eternity. But I also know that for some of us, I mean, just, just thinking about Aaron being here this weekend, two decades of leading worship, at, I think it's several local churches here over the course of time. And maybe you can remember back to days uh, that you considered like the heyday and Aaron was your worship leader. Or you considered like the heyday for some of you that have been around Mercy Road for a, a long time and you have had really great experiences but you can remember the final one here, the good old days for some of you that you remember, man, I, when there was 50 people, it was just so, ex we knew everybody. When we were at the old building and people were sitting on the floors. I love those times. Those were fun times. Everybody's sitting on the floors because we didn't have seat parking in the grass. And you can remember the good old days. And what I find is that whether it's our sin and brokenness or whether it's our legalism or whether maybe it's just some things from our past that we've never allowed to just die and take the next step that you'll never find full freedom in Christ until you can allow yourself to begin to live fully again. In fact, uh, because our church is going through such a really amazing time right now, we're going to do something that we've never done before next weekend. We're kicking off a new teaching series called from, uh, Life from Death, and we're going to talk about what it means to 
move on to new experiences. And in particular, if you've been around Mercy Road, this church started in a house and then met in a school and then this little lease building then purchased this property and now we bought the former ITT building off of West 96th Street on 465 there and that location's opening up here in the next, hopefully, three months and God is on the move and then the Fishers location and downtown Mass Avenue team is growing daily now that Pastor John Jones is here. We're going to be meeting on Mass Avenue in the Athenaeum and then eventually Anderson up north and those are going to be locations initially, but we're going to spin those off as separate churches with the Mercy Road name, Vision and Values, giving away 50% of the resources outside the walls of the church one day, uh, outposts and huddles and rooted. So we're, we're going to begin to do these big, massive changes. But we also want to remember that change is hard, right? When we first started, we used to use the analogy when we were getting going as a church that, you know, we were kind of like college students living off of uh, people that had given resources so that we could start a church. And one day we're going to have to make it on our own. And what kind of happened was like we began to reach people for Christ and made it on our own, so to speak. And, and, and then we started sending out new churches and now these new locations that will become separate churches. And, and we've moved from like the stage of like the young adulthood into the parenthood and things change. And it's going to continue to change, to advance God's kingdom. That's what we see in the early church. And I just thought, you know, for us today, maybe one of the things that can trap us is to always be thinking about the good old days in the past or the negative church experiences that are going to prevent me from seeing God fully utilize my life. I hope I'm not over-preaching, man, or step, overstepping this morning, but I just wanted to be real. Because if we're going to talk about freedom, we have to talk about what we need freed from. Because we'll never see God move more fully until we realize that one day he's going to return and we're not going to care how many episodes of Stranger Things on Netflix we watch, although I'm sure we watched all eight already and it was amazing, wasn't it? But we're going to care about what we saw God show up in our lives and do with us to minister to hurting, broken, and lost people, which sometimes includes us, Right? It says that you can't devour one another. you got to love one another. And that's not just within Mercy Road. That's churches locally. we got to support one another and see God make a greater impact with our lives. And so we don't want to allow those three things to trap us. But we say, well, that's great. But you don't understand the sin issue that I've been battling for 40 years. It's not going to change. I want to encourage you. I'm not going to say we're going to solve all your problems today. But if I could just encourage you, Here's just a few things I find in the New Testament that help bring freedom in Christ in our lives to kind of get to the next step of our life because things do change. And so if you're going, but how is this possible? I want to give you the but house, three reminders that lead to freedom, three reminders that lead to freedom, particularly freedom in Christ. And the first one is this, to know that you are a son or a daughter of God. It's very uh, different when you realize you're in the family. And God's got your back. It's why Jesus said in John chapter 8, these words in verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. And, and here he goes a step further. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The idea is that the son, Jesus, 
gave up his life so that you and I could be adopted into the family as sons and daughters. And that God will always have your back, no matter what you're going through. And there is freedom that comes with that. Because it means when a negative church experience happens, it means when you have an addictive habit, you can't ever get past it. It means when there's brokenness in your family or in your life, or when you are struggling with just straight up legalism like the church in Galatia, it means if you understand that you're a son or a daughter of the living God, that you no longer have all the weight of everything on your back to get through that. Here's what I mean. When, when you are struggling with an addictive habit, right, for the alcoholics in the room, you carry that weight around with you daily. It's almost tangible sometimes. And you just feel like, I can't get it off. Giving your life to Jesus doesn't mean that you don't need systems and boundaries in order to address alcoholism. Of course you do. But it means that the weight is now taken off of your shoulders because the son has bore it for you. That you no longer need to carry those burdens. You just now need to live in the freedom of Christ. And see, the second thing, uh, if you want to see freedom happen more fully in your life, uh, let me say this before I move on, though. If you, if you do fail, though, he's not going to give up on you. That's not going to happen. You're in the family. So don't give up on him. A lot of, a lot of yeah, thank you. A lot of you, you, we failed, right? We fail. We're human. We all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23, we are all sinners. But when we fail, we know that he's not giving up on us. So why are we giving up on him on the very time we need him the most? You're a son. You're a daughter of the living God. Number two, if you're taking notes, if you're his son or his daughter, you need to be led by his spirit. We'll see. That's what Galatians 5 gets to. But Romans 8 also addresses this. And I just got to say this at this service. I didn't intend this, but um, my friend, uh, Dr. Carl Tony, one of the foremost Pauline experts, New Testament scholars in the world, is here from Southern California this morning and wrote his dissertation on Romans and probably some of this. So can we just thank him for the good review he's going to give me this morning on my biblical exegesis? I've known Carl a long time. I thought it was just fun that he was in town this weekend and we're talking about this. But being led by the Spirit is not something that's just in Galatians. It, you know, I was talking to Carl about Romans right before I came up here. Romans 8 says this in verses 1 through 4. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It says you no longer live by that law because his crucifixion paid the price so that anybody could draw near to God because of his grace and mercy and love for you. There is no longer any condemnation in your brokenness if you turn to him and do what the Bible says and repent and receive his forgiveness and his grace, and then it means that you are given the Holy Spirit to begin to walk in the freedom of Christ so that, we'll go back to the alcohol analogy, right? If you're an alcoholic and you're bearing that weight and that shame, you take the burden off of you, you're his son or you're his daughter, and now you are following the Spirit's leading of how to address the issue on a minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour, day-by-day basis. I don't know what the thing trapping you in your life is, but if you want to experience freedom, you're going to have to learn to hear the voice of the Lord through his spirit. And that's usually when I find most people who have been around church or believe in Jesus, would consider themselves a Christian, most people struggle hearing and seeing where the spirit of God is leading you. 
Here's what I want to encourage you. It's okay. Remember what I said just a moment ago? He's not giving up on you, so don't give up on him. If, you, if you're having trouble hearing and discerning the spirit, you, you may need to just be honest about that. Talk to somebody. Seek wise Christian counsel. Some people have spiritual gifts where they connect with God in that way uh, much more easily than some of you may. That's okay to admit. But I can tell you this, if you don't give up and you stick with it, 10 years or 20 years or five years from now, you will experience and see the spirit more in your life than you did previously. Maybe not as much as the person down the road or sitting next to you in the seat, Mother Teresa there, right? But you're going to see the Spirit of God work more in your life, and you will experience the freedom that comes from that. That's why Paul writes this in Galatians uh, 5 to get back and return, and we're going to close out in this passage. Galatians 5, I want to read verse 16 to 18 and 22 to 23. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. You don't want to give in to all those temptations anymore? Don't be trapped by your sin? He says, Then uh, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. It means when, when you have a decision to make, and one of those three areas that can trap you, and you want to act out of brokenness and go back into an addictive habit, or go get back at somebody who harmed you in some way, or to not make amends and ask an apology and, and give to the sin of pride over the issue that you participated in and the, the shame you caused yourself. When we do those things, the Spirit of God is there whispering, hey, I, you're meant for more than this. You could live differently. You have me now. See, when Jesus is crucified, for for centuries, the Ark of the Covenant had been the place where the Spirit of God resided. It was where the Ten Commandments was held there in the Ark and the inner chambers and the most holy of holies there in the temple. When Jesus is crucified in the Gospel of Matthew, we're told, told that temple curtain is torn in two because the Spirit of God no longer resides in a building, the Bethel, the house of God. It now resides in a different temple. And according to the New Testament, what is that temple? Us, our, our body, if you give yourself to Jesus, you're a son or a daughter, your body, it says in the New Testament, is now a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know physiologically or metaphysically what that means, but what I know is that God and his spirit can uh, minister in and through you. That you could make an impact no matter how broken uh, your past is. He's not done with you. But it's going to be uh, taken, just as he says here, to be led by the spirit, spirit, otherwise you will too easily be distracted and go back into these fleshly patterns. Verse 18, but if you were led by the spirit, you are not under the law anymore. It means that legalistic thing, you don't have to do this to make God happy, but the reason you were obedient is because you want to be used by him, not because you have to, but because you want to, because you're so thankful for what he has done to you. Finally, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. It says that if you allow God to use you, when his spirit shows up, you can see all of those good habits occur. Now, some of you, I can't tell you how many times I've heard pastors misinterpret this passage. And they will tell you, you know, today I'm going to work on uh, my joy. I'm going to work on my joy. I'm going to work on my peace or my kindness or my my self-control. That's not how it works. There is one fruit, not many fruits. You either have the Spirit of God in your life and you see those represented or you don't. So if you've ever heard it uh, preached in a different way, I've never said something like this, but they're wrong, okay? 
There is only one fruit. You either have it or you don't. You don't work on your self-control. That's a human fleshly thing. You surrender your life to Jesus. You're a son or daughter. His spirit now lives in and through you, and you get to see God's Holy Spirit shine through. And so if you have a problem with disobedience, you don't have an obedience problem. You have a relationship with Jesus problem. Let me get real specific. That self-control one comes up a lot. It's all over the New Testament. Read Titus, man. And and many people in here, maybe that uh, the sexual habits that we read about earlier, that's your thing. And like you just lack self-control there. I can't tell you how many young people I've I've ministered to over the years that that's the thing that gets you. And you go, man, I'm going to will it this year. This is going to be my year. In January, it's going to happen. February gets here. I failed again. And what I want to encourage you to to do is the Bible doesn't teach you that you become a Christian and then your willpower helps you be a more behaved individual. It teaches you that when you encounter Jesus and you surrender your life to him, his spirit helps you live in a way that honors the Lord in your life because you desire to, not because you have to. So the reason that is important is when you have a disobedience problem, you go back to your sexual habit that you're embarrassed and ashamed of, what you really need to do is not just go, I, I messed up, I need to go will it again. You need to go back to your heavenly father and just spend time at the foot of the cross, worshiping him, hearing from him. And then look what I'm not doing. I'm not saying that when you did that and you go and fail again, that somehow you weren't a good enough Christian and you're not tight enough always in your relationship with Jesus. I can't tell you whether that's true or not, but what I can tell you is no matter what you're going through, again, he's not done with you, so don't be done with him. Go back to him. Seek his guidance and help. The third and final thing, then, is you must crucify the flesh and its desires. It says this very clearly throughout Galatians. It's something Paul is very fond of in his early ministry. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. You've got to crucify that. What does that mean? Well, it means you've got to let it die. Those three things that trap you, if you want to find freedom and growth and life again in your life, you're going to have to let those things die. That's the hard part, isn't it? I'm not telling you that's easy. And that's why the next three weeks together, we're going to talk about what it means to find life from death. It's an analogy used in a lot of the examples that Jesus has of how God changes our lives. In order to find life, you have to let some things die in your past. It's why in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul writes earlier, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In order to have real freedom in your life, you're going to have to let those things that can so easily trap us die. And you're going to have to say, God, I want more than just the brokenness of my sin. I want to get beyond my legalistic habits that I was ingrained in me as a child. And I want to get past my past and the things that want to continually keep me from fully living for you today. We're going to spend the next three weeks together talking about that very thing. I want to close out our time with this. See, I showed that picture of Aaron earlier, and it's funny how people can change over two decades, right? Interestingly enough, two decades ago is when I became a Christian. I was, uh, I just joined a fraternity house and was doing the thing that people do when they join fraternity houses, and God got a hold of my life. And I can remember a season where 
everything was changing in me. And, and some of the brokenness and sin in my life, I was beginning to find some freedom in it. And I can remember I, that summer, I went and I served a Christian ministry. I don't know if I've shared this. And I was driving through the state of Tennessee uh, to go work at this camp for a couple of weeks as a 19-year-old. And I saw the state park, and I just thought, man, I've got a time, a little tired from driving. I pulled off. I went out to that park, and there was nobody in there. It was absolutely beautiful scenery. I don't even remember where it was, someplace in Tennessee. And I, there's this big lake there, and I decided, you know what? I'm going for a swim. And I jumped into the lake off this tall rock, and I just floated there in the lake. And I can remember that time very specifically, just floating there, 19 years old, don't have, you know, all the stuff that comes with raising kids and a family and all the pressures of trying to make things happen in your family and the cynicism that can grow in us over years and decades of living on this planet, the hurt that can come. I 19 years old, just become a Christian, floating there on the lake and just praying to God, just going, your creation is amazing, never feeling more free in my entire life. It was incredible. And maybe you can remember back to a moment in time where you've experienced a, a moment with God like that. And you're like, man, if every day was like that, well, then this would be a lot simpler, and it would be. And I think for many of my adult years, I've looked back on that moment or moments like that and gone, well, that's kind of what happens when you're a young Christian and you're a young man without responsibilities. And I want to tell you today, I believe that is a lie from the pit of hell. I believe that the freedom that we find in Christ are not dictated by our circumstances. Because I can tell you this, I grew, I grew closer to Jesus during a year of my life where we went through you losing a child than I did a year of my life where things were going well. Our circumstances cannot dictate our relationship with Christ. It often just brings out the things that are already under the surface. And so if you're here today, and you've been doing this church thing for a while, but you don't experience the freedom of Christ, I want to tell you that you can. And I'm not telling you you're not going to have mental health issues, right? And you're not going to have depression and anxiety and worry. That, of course, in our lives today, those things can creep, their, uh, bring their ugly head can rear up, and we're going to have to address those issues and talk to a Christian counselor. And, and I, I'm not against doing something medically to try and see God. But I want to tell you this today, that even in depression, you can know what it's like to feel the freedom that comes from Christ. The question I have is, as you're walking through those issues, are you the one bearing the burden or is he? Are you carrying the weight of all that baggage in your life or have you found a way that you could actually allow God to carry that as you struggle? Because I want to tell you, in the good times in my life and the bad times in my life, I've learned God is strong enough to carry whatever I got. So I don't know what you're carrying today, but if you want to celebrate Freedom weekend, July 4th weekend, in a way that goes much beyond just some fireworks, and we remember the great heritage our great country has, you could also experience eternal freedom 
where you know because of Christ crucified and that he rose from the grave on the third day, every single person in this room, no matter how far you are from God, if you confess Jesus as Lord of your life, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can experience God and find his freedom again. And for those of you who have prayed that prayer, but you don't have freedom in your life, I want to encourage you today, those three things to find freedom. Know that he's, you're a son or a daughter. Be led by his spirit and actually allow him to use you in your life by crucifying the fleshly desires. If you do that today, you can experience that freedom again like I remember laying on that lake, man. And you can wake up in the morning and go, I'm going into a job I hate, but I know Jesus and he's going to use me today. And I'm going to make it the best day I've ever had because he's with me and he's carrying my burdens along with it. And so I want to invite you and encourage you just to respond with me this morning. God, we just thank you. We don't deserve what you've done for us, Jesus. I know two decades later, I don't deserve it. But I thank you how you've carried me every step of the way. Moving my family here from California, getting to see a friend from California this morning, just being reminded of that. And yet you took care of us. Losing a child and you took care of us. Going through working six day weeks, trying to plant a church and you took care of us. Not knowing where we were going to get health insurance from and you took care of us. Not knowing how we would be able to afford this building to meet in this morning and you took care of us as a church, God. I don't know what everybody's going through this morning, but I know we respond to you. You'll take care of us. So if you want to surrender this morning to him, whether it's for the first time or to recommit something in your life, a full surrender, I want to invite you to respond with me. Pray this with me silently as I pray it out loud. God, I confess I'm not perfect and I need you because I don't want to carry my burdens anymore. Free me. I surrender my legalism to you. I surrender my sin to you. I surrender my past to you. They will no longer entrap and enslave me. I receive your grace and forgiveness because of you crucified, Jesus, and because you rose on the third day. And so on this day, pray this with me, I give my life to you fully, Lord Jesus. Use me. Use me to serve others because I love you. We give you this time. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen.